Hey, so welcome to the Church Explained podcast, a conversation to grow your leadership and build your church. Today, we're joined by an amazing guest and we're going to introduce him in a second. But of course, my name's Dave McKeown, for those who don't know me, and my host is... Nathan Benger. So great to be together. Well, welcome, Wade, to the show. Let's just share a little bit about you and then we'll find out some more uh, about you as we go through. So today, as I said, we're joined by Wade Joy, who is now serving churches around the US through teaching and coaching. Wade most recently served as the worship pastor at Elevation Church under the leadership of Pastor Stephen Furtick for 14 years. He oversaw the development of worship, culture and staffing for 20 locations. Spearheaded the growth and pastoring of Elevation Church worship and was instrumental in creating the systems that allowed Elevation Worship songs to go around the world as you led the record label and the touring teams. That sounds fantastic. Wade also led uh, teams that executed the weekend worship experiences and oversaw servicing and programming. Coach campus pastors at their stages of hosting and preaching Wade was a regular presence, preaching on the main stage of Elevation Church. So Wade and his wife, Ferris, have three daughters uh, that they adore, and they're learning to navigate family and ministry at this point in their life. They have three children with special needs like cystic fibrosis and cerebral palsy. So that's a lot of stuff there, Wade, about you, and we're going to find out some more as well. But just great to have some insights about your family as well. Maybe we'll, we'll dig into that a little bit as we go through. But welcome, Wade, to the show. Oh, thank you so much. I'm really, really honored to be here. I'm excited about it. Fantastic. It's amazing. So, hey, Nathan, you've got a first, you've got a first question. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, Wade, obviously your bio, you do a lot of stuff. And um, yeah. <laughs> we've seen that you've done a lot within Elevation Church. But why don't you just uh, give us a, maybe a little bit more about your background, family, location, role, where you're at, and what also do you do for fun? Oh, yes. Um, well, so I, I grew up in South Carolina. So I lived there for most of my life until I moved to Charlotte 15 years ago uh, to be a part of Elevation Church. And um yeah, I grew up in ministry, like surrounded by ministry. My granddad was a pastor and planted the church. He was my hero growing up. And my um, it was like a family-run church, pretty much. My dad was the music minister. My mom played the organ. My aunt and uncle were the youth pastors. So I just grew up like loving church. And uh, then got into music when I was in high school and wanted to be a Christian rock star for a while and kind of had a failed attempt to try to be the next Stephen Curtis Chapman, another short blonde yeah. worship leader. Very good. <laughs> um, but no, somewhere in my mid twenties is when I really began to see that my dream of doing that um, was too focused on me, and the Lord really began to give me a passion for leading worship. And so I led worship at camps and retreats, and at one of those is when I met Pastor Stephen, and. Uh, that started that friendship. And um, while I was a youth pastor and worship leader at a Methodist church in Columbia, I brought him in to lead a Disciple Now weekend. And he told me about Elevation, a church he just started, and kind of the rest is history. Um, we can get into more of that story if you want. But um, yeah, I loved serving at Elevation as the worship pastor for 15 years. And now I'm traveling and preaching and coaching. What I do for fun 
I love anything geek related. I love Star Wars. I love Mar. I'm a huge Star Wars fan, actually. I love Marvel. Uh, me and my kids geek out on all that kind of stuff. I love to read. I love to be outside. I love to work out um, and watch a lot of movies. So that's that's what I do for fun. So it sounds pretty good that Wade, I like the workout bit. Now, what's, uh, what sort of workout are you doing at the minute? So it's a, uh, it's by a, a group called Mind Pump. And so they have, they have a workout called Map Split that I'm doing. And it's basically um, a push-pull legs. You go through that twice a week with one day off. Nice. Wow. Like that might that. be more inf- information than you wanted to know, but that's that's what I'm doing. Well, we we do like going to the gym myself and Nathan, not together, of course, because <laughs> um, he wouldn't be quite as strong as me. Um, <laughs> <so> <laughs> but 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 of me, ego there. So, but we'll say no more. But it's great to find out about some of those things. And listen, your role at Elevation Church, you you were there for like, as you say, fourteen years. What what really impacted you the most? as you were there on that journey, I mean, if you could pick one thing, there's probably loads and loads of stuff you could share today, but what's one of the one things that really has impacted you and why? Can I pick two things? Can I? You, we're super generous, so go for it. You've got two <laughs> things today. Um, double portion blessing right here. Um, I, most, like, the, the thing that impacted me the most was seeing how God changed my family through it all. Um, so getting to see all three of my girls come to faith in Jesus, getting to bat, getting to baptize them, seeing them love church that to me, like we saw God do amazing things around the world, but seeing him like make our family healthier and see my kids fall in love with Jesus, that impacted me more than anything else. Um, I would say also I was very, very impacted by just Pastor Stephen's leadership and seeing like his commitment, dedication. He's one, he's probably the most disciplined person I've ever met in terms of when he sets his mind towards something, um, you know, he, he's going to orient his life around accomplishing that. And so I think seeking God is the thing he's oriented his life around the most and then feeling called to, to build this church and, um, and seeing how he is always so obedient to what the Holy Spirit asks him to do mm-hmm. um, has was just something for me up close watching that firsthand. It was it it left a mark on me for sure. Wow! So that that example of leadership, as you've said, there is a big thing, and and the change in your family. Yeah, just thinking about that, Wade, yeah. and uh, obviously the growth, and um, you've come in and you're you're leading as you as we uh, said earlier, the creative worship teams, all of that. Um, you don't have to pick one thing, but um, the question is, what is one thing uh, you would want uh, creative worship leaders to know above everything else? Oh yeah, that's that's something that I'm really passionate about, just based on my own journey as a creative and as a worship leader and then pastoring others. And I have a huge heart for people who are called to serve in in that way. To me, my journey, I realized over the years how much I had built my identity around what I considered my gift. So whether it was songwriting or worship leading, um, I preached 
for all these years to our team, you know, you're not what you do. It's, you know, it's who you are in God and it's you're a child of God. But I found that whenever I had to let go of some of those things that I had been passionate about, I realized how much I had defined myself by those things. And, you know, when I, at, at the age of 40, transitioned away from leading worship, which I'd done for over two decades, it was a real identity crisis for me because I didn't know who I was if I wasn't Wade the worship leader. And I didn't feel as valuable to God or as valuable to the church. And it was a real good um, pruning time for me for the Lord to peel back all this pride in my heart um, of wanting people to know me and feel important and feel impressive. It was a, as a, it was a good time for me to like learn how to truly like live open-handed before him with my gift. And so I would say um, to think of the gift you have um, not as the thing that, let me say it this way. This would be the better way to say it. I think we misappropriate our gift and we place it in the, uh, in the role of purpose in our life. Um, and that's when you define yourself by it. You're afraid to lose it. But your purpose is to follow Christ, to know Christ, to, um, and, and to, to bring him glory in every sphere of life. Your, your gift is one of the ways you do that in building the church, <clears throat> but you can have different gifts in different seasons. And so Ephesians 3.20 is one of the, my favorite verses to talk about right now, because when we love to quote, God can do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine, and we love to shout about that. But what I've found in my life is I, I think that means that God's going to take my dream, what I imagine, and just crank it to 11 and just make that awesome. But what if God has a different imagination, a different dream for your life and you don't experience it because you're so busy clinging to the thing that you imagined and that you dreamed. And so if we can live with open hands before the Lord, Mm. he can bring out new gifts for new seasons. And so don't limit what God can do in your life based on the one passion you have now. Use that passion, grow in your gift, walk in your calling, but then be open for new, new dreams, new seasons new assignments. And so I would just tell worship leaders and creatives just to stop clinging to the thing that you love more than Jesus. Like simply said, like pursue Jesus and live open-handed. Sorry, that was a long-winded answer. No, great, great answer. And uh, I love that. I love that thought of, um, you know, like um, we, we take, that verse Ephesians three twenty and uh, apply it to our dreams or our imagination, whereas maybe God's got a different imagination. I wonder if Wade, if there's any anything practically or anything that you do to live with that open hand and saying, okay, God, you know, I- I'm following you, I'm searching after you rather than uh, holding on to my gift or whatever it is I do as my identity, but my identity is following you. I don't know if you've got anything. It would help people. Yeah, well, honestly, one of the the a couple of things I would tell there was there was one thing that Pastor Stephen taught me early on that really changed the way I looked at ministry. It was mature ministry is being more excited about what God does through others than what He does through yourself. Brilliant. And so I found when I can actually be an advocate for someone else and champion someone else, it just gets the focus off of me. And it helps me see that if I'm empowering others, equipping others, 
helping them walk in their gift. That is the true role of a pastor. And, and it helps me just live with a, an other centered posture instead of a me centered posture. Um, I would say the other big practice that has really helped me over the last two years is just a lot of time in silence and solitude before the Lord and actually letting him search my heart and bring things to the surface that need to be dealt with. I think in the past I would have, I would have pushed that stuff away and felt like, well, I'm not supposed to feel that I'm not supposed to think that. And I just wouldn't deal with it. I think, I think now learning to, to pay attention to what my heart is saying, the good and the bad, and then let like bring all of that to the Lord and let him filter it and, and, and change me as he sees fit. And then also bring it to the right people, bring it to a counselor. I've, I've, I've gone to see a counselor who's helped me navigate some of these, bring this to trusted pastors to my wife and let other people speak into it. But for me, it started with just being silent before the Lord and just really trying to listen to what the Holy Spirit is wanting to tell me. And sometimes it's like, Hey, you've got this pride in your life that you're not dealing with and being okay to, to navigate that and and see what's underneath it and then make changes accordingly. Hi everyone, I hope you're enjoying the podcast. We just want to take a moment and pause and let you know about something exciting we have on offer right here from Icon Open. We help leaders find solutions through our coaching and team training. And we've worked with all types of churches in different countries around the world, from large churches to small churches, and of course, anything in between. And leaders come to us for a variety of reasons. For some, they simply want to get to the next level in their leadership. They want a coach to work with them for a period of time so they can get new momentum or fresh ideas or fresh insights for the next part of their journey. Other leaders will come to us, maybe they're working through some opportunities or challenges in their church and just maybe to have someone to think with them and help them process through big ideas like staffing or teams or transitions really does seem to make a difference to them. So if you've never had a coach and you're a senior leader or a leader within a church, we want to encourage you to get in touch with us because we think we can really help you find the solutions you need for the next part of your journey have a look at icon.church forward slash coaching and you'll find all the details there of how to connect with us and we look forward to hearing from you very very soon brilliant yeah a great great answer for that as well and we've been thinking a little bit about this idea of transitions because you've mentioned there whether when you first came into elevation church you were doing one role and then as time went on that role changed uh, and I guess now, even in this new time of ministry for you, that's changed again. I wonder, could you speak in? Because there's probably lots of pastors and leaders just listening and thinking about this idea of transitions. How, how do we transition in a healthy way? Free, I, I, I wonder if I can be a little bit cheeky and, and ask, what, what, what was the real challenge that you had when it came to transitioning from leading to developing others because sometimes it's it's not always as smooth as we th- want to say it is there's that internal stuff that's happening so for pastors or leaders who are just thinking about transition f- how, how did you navigate that yeah to me transitions are are just a natural part of your discipleship your sanctification process um and and empowering others, um, because in me transitioning, I'm I'm creating space for someone else to step into what I used to do, mm. and and helping see that it's not your transition is not just about you, 
It's about the people you're leading. It's about the people you're shepherding. It's about the people who they need to transition into something new. Um, but for me, it was really, really hard. I experienced a couple transitions at Elevation. One was transitioning away from um, my first seven years or so. I helped really build Elevation Worship, and I was uh, I would sing on albums, I would write songs, and Pastor Stephen came to me several times over those years and he would say something to the effect of you're a really good worship leader you're a really good songwriter but mac and chris are great worship leaders and great songwriters and i see in you a gift to be a great pastor a great teacher so you're gonna have to decide one day if you're willing to let go of what you're good at in order to make room for what you can be great at how did how did that make you feel, Wade, when he spoke to you like that? Not, not, not good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, but but it was in retrospect, it was the kindest thing he could do for me is to actually because clarity is kindness. It showed me kind of what he saw in me, but in my mind in that moment, I was like, you know what? That's that'll be I'll be ready for that one day because it wasn't a forced transition in the moment. But when that one day came. It was incredibly difficult. Um, but one thing that really helped me is that I was, I remember I was, it was right before we were about to record an album and I was praying and I was asking the Lord because album time would always get tough and it would be because everybody wants to sing on the album, but with a lot of worship leaders, there's only so many songs on the album and not everybody can do it. And I remember I was praying, I was like, God, when are people going to understand that it's not about albums, it's about building your church? And I felt like the Holy Spirit convicted me and said, well, you don't get that yet, so how can you expect them to get it? And that helped me realize that this was what I said a second ago. This transition wasn't just about what God needed to work out in my heart. It was about me helping establish and build and lead the way in the culture that that the Lord wanted to establish for Elevation Worship and for for Elevation Church with our worship ministries, and leaders have to have to go first. It's one of the biggest leadership cliches, but it's true. Um, and going first doesn't always mean you want to go there. You know exactly what it takes to navigate that. It just meant saying, "God, I'm going to trust you, and I'm going to take this step." And so, being honest with the team about how hard it was for me. Um, and, but then also being faithful to say, if I believe that Jesus is trustworthy and that he knows what's best for me and for our church and for our ministry, then I also have to believe that the leadership he's placed over me, like nothing's, no decisions are being made that haven't gone through the Lord's hands first. And so I had to believe that this transition was part of God's ultimate discipleship process for me. And so I think trusting in that, um, that it was ultimately from the Lord. It wasn't just the decision of a person or, you know, and trying to see, is this something that the Holy Spirit is trying to do in me helped me? It was incredibly difficult. Like for six months, it was just a lot of just mess in my heart that I did go to counseling about. And I did talk to trusted people about, and I didn't always have good days. But I really tried to model well to the team, hey, there's life on the other side of this. It's not like you don't get to do this one thing that you've built your identity upon, and then everything after that 
once it's gone is awful. No, there's new seasons, new things. There's joy in the new thing that God wants to do. And so on the other side of that, seeing that freedom and joy helped me pastor the team better to say, hey, this is like God can be trustworthy and trusted in this journey. And so a similar journey happened, like I said earlier, when I stopped leading worship altogether. And then, you know, now I'm in this season of transition. And it took my wife and I about a year last year once we felt the stirring. Because we thought we were going to be in elevation to the end. And I would say at the beginning of 2021 is when the two of us started to think, oh gosh, maybe, maybe the Lord is wanting us to not just say this door is closed, God, you, we've already settled this matter. Maybe he wants us to actually be open and say, God, if you actually want to lead us somewhere, we're willing. And so we committed to pray for a year about it. And so I would say that for people who are navigating in tra- transitions <clears throat> to not make decisions based on how you feel in a moment, but be committed to to a, a process of prayer, a process of discernment to see what's the Holy Spirit and what's just a bad day. Um, and so over the course of that year, I felt the Lord affirmed things for us. And so that when we were able to take the step, even though it was scary and I'm still have days where I'm scared, I'm like, what did, what did I do? <clears throat> um, we, we really trusted that it was the Lord. I mean, I think the most you can say is 80, I'm 80% sure it was God. <laughs> There's always that 20% that, but but we've seen God's faithfulness so much in this process that he's just affirmed it time and time again. But I'm really thankful that we took the time and we had people in our life telling us to take that amount of time to really discern it. So that, that was helpful for us. So there's times for me, like when you, you say um, <clears throat> you have to discern, okay, this isn't my preference, but, <clears throat> but I'm submitting my preference to the Lord and to my leader because it's a humbling process for me, it's a purifying process for me, and it's for the greater good. Then there's some times where maybe God stirs up some discontent in you to say, okay, well, maybe there's actually a gift in me that God's calling me to use elsewhere, or there's a calling that God has for me elsewhere. And you have to be able to discern between the two different things. Sometimes God calls you to stay, and it takes faith to stay. Sometimes God calls you to go, and it takes faith to go. They take equal faith sometimes, but we're not going to know which is which if we're not really centering our hearts on the Lord um, and, and learning the way he talks to us through our emotions, through his word, through his spirit, through other people. And so I'm, I've been learning a lot about that too. Brilliant. Hey, thanks for sharing that. Yeah, I think there's a, there's a lot of good stuff in there really, isn't there? Around just knowing what to do at the right time. And, and I like that idea of 80%. Because um, although that sounds a little bit like if I, you know, I need to know 100%, but I think to know 80% is pretty good, I think, because <laughs> yeah. let's face it, in reality, we we make decisions and we don't know if it's perfectly right, but that's okay, I think. It's good just to have a go and, uh, you know, 80, 80% is better than 50%, isn't yeah. it really? <laughs> so, yeah, and... Uh, and- you know, Scripture tells us that that the Lord directs the steps of the godly. Absolutely. And I think, in order for Him to do that, you have to take a step sometimes, and and trust that if I took the wrong step, God's big enough to get me yeah. back where He wants me to be. Yeah, yeah. No, definitely. I wonder, Wade. Um, I just thinking as you were talking, how did um, like you had the, obviously had the conversation with uh, leader, pastor, 
who was overseeing you, how did that go? How did they respond in that moment? I, I think it might be helpful, maybe even for somebody who's a pastor here, who somebody's going to have that conversation with them at some point. How did that mm. go? Yeah, um, <clears throat> the my leaders with with Chunks, who, Chunks Corbett, he's the CFO, executive pastor role at Elevation. He um, and then Pastor Stephen, obviously, were very, very gracious to me and very, very um, uh, just kind and affirming. And and I remember Chunks when I, I talked to him about it. He he was like, "Hey, how do how can I best help you right now?" Like, do you want me to help you figure out how to do some of the things that are on your heart here? Or is it to help me, you want me to help you figure out the next steps outside of here? Just let me know. And so I felt like he really kind of came beside me and wanted what was best for me in that moment. And that just felt so freeing Mm. because I was nervous about that conversation. I I don't want to let people, I don't want to let, I don't want to let people down. I mean, nervous is too small a word. I was, I was, I was terrified. (laughs) <laughs> but um, and plus, I love I love the church. It's it's what we've given our life to for fifteen years. We still attend Elevation. Um, mm. But uh, so yeah, that was you know I, I felt I, I have a strong people pleasing side of me. So I hate any time that I feel like I'm disappointing someone. Um, but he was very kind, very gracious. Pastor Stephen was very kind, like saying he was really sad, but he also supported me and like knew that I had stuff in me that I, he really wanted me to see. He wanted to see me go after what God had put in my heart with all my heart. That was his biggest, like, um, you know, just challenge to me is whatever the Lord has put in you, go after it with all your heart. Um, and so, yeah, I felt it what doesn't mean that I'm sure that there were times where both of them, we're sad, frustrated. They're human too. Um, um, but I think the everything I heard in their overall posture and tone towards me was, we love you. We're for you. Yes, we've got to figure out some pieces now that you're gone. And that's the part where it gets hard and it gets messy. Um, but then that's also a chance to, I think that when God finally spoke to me that it was time to leave, I think the other thing that I felt was, I was no longer the right person to take elevation worship where it needed to go and someone else needed. And if I stayed in this position, I was robbing someone else of their chance to lead and also the innovation that was in them that was going to help unlock what was next for the team. And so, which that's easy to say, that's hard for my pride to think that someone else is better for this season than I am. Um, and I for sure experienced tons of FOMO right now watching everything, but, but yeah, I think there were, there were challenges for sure. Anytime there's a transition, but I think hopefully, and I, and I believe it's unlocking just new, new grace, new ideas, new innovation, new help for the team now in this next season. Wade, it's been so good to chat together and a big thank you to everyone who's listening, watching, however you're consuming the content, subscribe, share it, uh, pass it on to your worship pastors, creative pastors, anyone you know that would be, uh, this conversation will be helpful to them. Don't forget to check out icon.church forward slash open for a whole load of free resources and we look forward to seeing you next time and hearing us next time on the Church Explained podcast. We'll see you soon.